The University of New England is embarking on a bold new mission to transform the university's decommissioned boiler house into a purpose-built discovery space. Here, on Curiosity Built the Boiler House, we'll follow the transformation of this 1950s industrial building into a regional science-themed play space. Along the way, we'll also chat with leading experts in education, play space design, and all things STEAM about what makes for an incredible discovery space experience. I'm Dr. James O'Hanlon, and for this episode, I sat down with Galia Urquhart, the director of Yarm Gwanga at the University of New England. It's the Early Childhood Centre on the University of New England campus. We've been here for over 30 years, and I've been the director for more than 20 years now. It's, it's, we look after children from eight weeks to five years, and we also operate a vacation care program through the school holiday periods. Situated in Anawan country in the New England tablelands, Yarmgwanga, in the local indigenous language, translates to place for children. Being situated on a university campus means that Yarmgwanga has a diverse community and offers some pretty unique experiences. We have a lot of children with a variety of cultural backgrounds because of the students at UNE and the staff, etc. So we take great pride in making sure we meet the individual needs of children and caring for families. We also have a lot of occasional care. So we have intensive schools where we will look after children of students that are coming for intensive schools. We will look after children of students that are coming for orientations, for visits, for um, students who are attending graduations. So we do a great deal more in caring and educating children of occasional care to help the students of the University of New England as well. Being on the university campus also means that Yarmgwanga is just a few buildings away from the School of Education and the early childhood education team who specialise in teaching education students and researching early childhood education practices. As a result, Yarmgwanga and the university have formed a collaborative and mutually beneficial relationship to enhance both the teaching and research practices of the university and the practices and facilities at Yarmgwanga. At Yarm, we're very lucky to be on a university campus, um, so we often go what we call out the gate. So lots of excursions, even the baby's room last week. We've got two four-seater prams, so they go on walks. We go to parents and their workplaces. We go and u- utilise the expertise and the experiences that are on campus here, so children get out and about a lot. Uh, we're very lucky at the moment. We have one of our staff members with a bus license, so they're out and about next week. Um, they go to Thalgara, they go to Ken Thompson, the nurse, local nursing home. So lots of excursions are incorporated within our program and lots of incursions where we have people coming to visit us. So we have things like the dog safety, um, hearing tests, eyesight tests. So we include people to come and come to YARM and that supports the education and care needs of children as well. So the children here, we often say, are quite confident because we have a lot of visitors through the door and that increases their confidence, increases their exposure to a wide variety of learning opportunities. We have have academic staff, postgraduate staff coming to do research. We have students from high school, TAFE, and here early childhood students. So they they deal with a lot of different people that also bring a lot of different learning opportunities to the centre. Certainly we have early childhood students doing their degrees coming to us, so doing their pracs, so the staff will come up to YARM and we'll discuss how that's progressing. We also utilise the expertise of the staff. Um, We have just recently developed a whole new outdoor play space Um, and Sue Elliott, who has an experience 
knowledge and expertise in outdoor areas was involved right from the start. Oh, we've had the paediatric students come through Yarn for a number of years and they will set up a little mock sort of in, uh, where they're looking at talking to a child and the preschoolers will come up to them with their teddy bear. So they'll say, what's wrong with the teddy bear? And these are paediatric students before they are about to go out on their paediatric rotation so that they learn how to interact with a young child. So there's lots of opportunities for um, benefits for both parties. Anything which observations are done, parents are certainly told about and we get authorization for. Parents on orientation are also, we talk to them about YARN being that te teaching and research and we're part of the University of New England and what does that mean? And we often say we do have students and, and re researchers and coming through the centre. We have visiting academic staff from overseas will come through YARN and talk about our Australian um, curriculum and what does that mean and our approaches and our practices and policies in early childhood. So it crosses a range of, of early childhood and other disciplines, which is great to, to see and, and to support the university in their teaching and research strategic goals. In 2019, Yarm unveiled its refurbished outdoor play space that was developed with input from University of New England researchers based on current pedagogical knowledge about how interactions with nature and play-based learning can benefit early childhood development. I asked Galia what this new play space meant for Yarm practice and what benefits they had seen come from their new outdoor facilities. We went from a very, um, it was quite just a flat, um, not a lot of engagement for children to with, as I said, a lot of work with Sue Elliott and her expertise. We now have a nature-based, um, it's a very engaging, lots of choices for children, um, lots of activities that they choose from that you don't need to bring in a lot of different resources because there's a wide range of activities there for children to access, a lot of abilities for children to manage their own risk. Uh, we have gardens, we have chalks, rocks, um, water, plants, swings, stepping stones. So the children have an absolute ball. There's a We've got a couple of um, blue-tongue lizards that have found their way into our, our rocks that the children look after, strawberries, plants. That It's all a learning opportunity and yeah, and it's great. And that's another aspect. We've just recently uh, had people over from um, the ag area and looking at our chalks and how we can look after them and support our chalks. So so we've still got um, areas that we want to improve on and increase and we want to uh, bush tuck a garden eventually and and more Indigenous artwork out the back, but it's, it'll t we'll get there. This renewed focus on engaging kids with nature and letting them explore natural landscapes represents a big shift in pedagogical thinking. It wasn't too long ago that play spaces were designed to minimise any chances of even minor risks being posed to children. Despite best intentions, this approach might have caused more harm than good in terms of how children's skills and abilities develop. I asked Galia what this has looked like in practice and whether they have seen the benefits of this change in thinking at Yarm Gwanga. 10, 15 years ago, everything was plastic, uh, softball, and now it's a just the aesthetics, beautiful place, as I said, natural place-based environment um, that encourages children to manage their risk. We actually had KidSafe and they came and did their, uh, undertook an audit two weeks before we opened the outdoor play space and they said you will have less incidents in this play space than what, in the new one than what you did in your previous outdoor environment. And even the staff went, because it was a big change for them to go, oh, really? And it was. We've got less incidents now because children are more engaged. 
they're occupied, they're moving between play spaces themselves, they're just this one open area where there would be interactions between children or collisions, etc., where they're very much engaged now and very much you know, taking part in their own own play and their own in, in different areas and um yeah, they've got their own space. So it's it's a much nicer, much more aesthetically pleasing and they're much more involved, actively involved in their play rather than teacher directed. So we have we did the risk assessments first. We took small children uh, small groups of children up around the outdoor area. So we manage it. We show them what parts are risky and what wasn't. So even when we moved into the new outdoor area, it was a very planned approach. So that we didn't just all 56 children walk out into this open area and say, go for it. <laughs> so as I said, we had staff training first on their feelings, um, their perceptions of what might happen, their understandings of moving from one outdoor environment that was very... As I said, um, it wasn't engaging. It was very teacher orientated to a, and very little, no risk because it was a very flat, very a piece of land with softball over three quarters of it to an open area with lots of uh, to this you know area with um, swings and even the kids safe uh, when we had the audit said that there's very few um, environments now with swings because they're too risky. Children love the swings up there. So you teach them if you stand at the front of the swing, you know, that's in a dangerous spot, you need to move away from there and then talk about it, where it's safe to stand, where will you safe, you know, stand. So it's lots of, of managed, we manage the risk. Even with the fire pit, we had practices first. So we went up without a fire. <laughs> it was just around the fire pit and we put some cellophane in and said this could, you know, what would we do and how would we react and where do we have to sit so it was a very planned approach so no yes the risk is there but it is always managed of course early childhood education is not just about getting kids active outdoors and now also involves introducing kids to technology i asked galia what they do at yomgwanga to introduce children to technology and devices while making sure they provide the foundations for a responsible relationship between kids and their devices Joe Bird is one of Dr. Joe Bird is uh, one of the academic staff here in the early childhood team. Um, she's done some professional development with our staff. Also has come up when the children have been here to interact and show the staff again. So our educators and teachers here how that um, to incorporate technology within the play spaces here. We have iPads in all the rooms that children have access to. So they're used in a wide variety of ways now, as I said, from the Ella program, which is our language program, to um, specific apps that teachers and educators will choose for children. So they're set up on the tables, the children have timers, um, and it's, it's, a, it's part of a program that teachers and educators are uh, supplying to children. So it's not, it's, as I said, it's something where Right at the start, it's introduced in a particular manner. It's not just an open-ended device. Um, staff are saying, this is, you know, you've got these choices. It's within this period, and this is what we're going to next. So as, as I said, it's, it's managed. It's not an open-ended um, activity that's, that children have limitless time on or time to access. Uh, it's one of, it's managed like any other resource at Yarn, um, and it's a teaching tool 
but it is managed and it is provided to children on a um, within the program and within the specifics of the program. Um, as I said, through COVID, we did have a Zoom happening, so the staff hadn't utilised Zoom before. So they had some very quick lessons at the start in late March, early April on Zoom. Uh, and then we were Zooming children from home and doing activities for the children that were currently here and the ones that were home, so they stayed connected. So children stayed connected, we stayed connected with families. And we've even got a little girl at the moment who is away um, having an operation, so we've started Zooming her as well so that we can keep those connections happening while she's away. At the beginning of last year, when the world went into lockdown because of the coronavirus, Yarramgwanga had to act fast. Childcare was considered an essential service by the Australian government, so Yarramgwanga didn't close its doors at all. I asked Galia what this meant for her and her team and what sort of pressures were on them to provide childcare during this time. You look back now and it, and it felt like it changed quite quickly. Um, and so the, the information overload in that early, uh, sorry, that mid to late March, early April period, there was a lot of information. And I think anxiety with staff not knowing, you know, what did this mean? Uh, and certainly the federal government said we were essential workers, so we weren't going anywhere. So we came to work. Uh, it was very quiet at the university. <laughs> we were, there was us, some cafe staff, a few others, um, academic staff, but very, very few. So it was a very quiet environment. So that was a bit, big change very quickly. So it was, it was hard in a way that, that first initial period just of the, the changes happening so quickly. So our numbers went down for quite a while and then, Families were very stressed with costs, so then the federal government put a, the free childcare came in. Um, that meant a lot of stress for YARM um, with budgeting and with funding. Uh, the government did pay the fees for them, but 50%, and the JobKeeper came in for the rest, which we were not eligible for being part of the university. So <laughs> it was a bit stressful. There were times, so that meant looking into other forms of funding and applications, which was very time-consuming and very stressful for quite a period of time. Um, so we have got through that. But, yes, so it was free um, to families. But, yes, centres certainly felt felt um, that, yeah, that 50% and you didn't have a choice. So you couldn't change your practices. You couldn't. You did have to offer the care, um, certainly Victoria now are in a different state um, to what we, we are in and they're still getting that free childcare in certain areas. Uh, but yes, ours has changed now back to the original system that occurred before COVID. Uh, we've stopped all people coming to visit Yarm. So where we had Healthy Harold or um, a magician or we had the reptile visits, that's all stopped. So that's the, probably the biggest difference that we're noticing uh, for us, so we'd like to see those up and going as soon as we can. I was interested to know what the young kids at Yarmgwanga have made of all the changes happening over the past year. Do they actually know what a pandemic is? And how have they behaved in response to what's been going on around them? Some of them do. Um, we had a, an instance where one of the um, preschool teachers told me about a they had a play experience with some home corners and, and they had the shop set up and then they even had a sign that said you have to stand back 
from the counter. So the social distancing. So you could watch it through their uh, play experiences. It is they're understanding what's happening. Yes, and they even had they said, "Oh, we need to put a closed sign on this shop because it's closed." because of the virus. So they are understanding, they're picking up on what they can and cannot do. The little uh, signs out the front of Yarm have small feet on our little signs and they stand on those feet and they tell other families where they can stand. So they're certainly picking up on the aspects of what's happening with with COVID. Uh, But as I said, we're communicating with families. Some of our children are finding that with the door closed and they're separating from their parents at the door. They're coming into the service more confident and that separation anxiety has actually reduced. As I said, a lot of families and a lot of staff have discussed children becoming a lot more confident. Uh, they're getting their bags. Even some of our babies, we have a doorbell and they have to ring the doorbell, otherwise they cry. So you've got these yeah, really interesting aspects that we're at the moment considering how do we move forward because some have been positive and beneficial to both children and families uh, rather than children sort of you know clinging on to families and finding that separation really challenging in a morning in a room where now the children are walking in dragging their bags taking it with them uh, bags on their back Um, some of them get halfway into the foyer and just drop their bags and then you help them in and um, but that their their independence certainly has increased their the level of separation anxiety has decreased. So that's certainly something we're reflecting on at the moment. What does that mean for us going forward? Um, we're finding actually that there's less other illnesses occurring at Yarm. <laughs> so we've got less colds um, than what we would have had. I do a, an automatic tissue order and we're finding they're not going as quickly. So, you know, less of the, the other viruses that would have have often occurred at this time of the year and through winter was certainly less of an incidence of that happening um less even less even diarrhea or conjunctivitis even the other childhood illnesses that um you know they're prone to and coming to childcare, we certainly have the high level of hygiene practices um, but that can, can still occur and that's been a lot less as well so just the everyday illnesses um have been a lot less when the Boiler House Discovery Space opens its doors, it will be just a short walk away from Yarramgwanga, meaning that there's big potential there for interaction and collaboration between these two early childhood learning spaces. I asked Galia what she would like to see come out of this relationship between Yarramgwanga and the Boiler House. Yeah, we could be a regional hub for research and teaching and supporting the uni and known for it. There's very few in Australia or worldwide, um, and especially in Australia, where early childhood centres can be that teaching and research hub. So UNE, you know, that's sort of my dream. <laughs> so we'd like to connect. We'd like research projects that can combine both YARM and the Boiler House, whether that be um, to assess the impact or the success of different place-based areas up at the Boiler House. Um, looking at YARM and families, so... As, as I said, these are quite big ideas, but future ideas, whether we have an area and this new space that we would like to build for families. Um, so when they've, they've been to the boiler house, a child needs to sleep, um, mum needs to feed, that there's an, a space that that can happen, uh, a safe, quiet 
private space, so whether that be a room at Yarm as well. So looking at it from research and teaching, but also looking at it from the boiler house, having those um, visitors coming to the boiler house and how Yarm can also support those visitors that may be here from afar. I know I've been talking to Dr Kirsty Abbott about even the walkway is something that could be interactive between Yarm and the boiler house. So even from a physical connection as well. So a walkway that we've talked about from Yarm to the to the bus stop and then to the boiler house and there's activities that promotes the boiler house, play spaces and Yarm and connects the two spaces. To find out more about Yarm Gwanga, you can visit their website, yarmgwangachildcare.com.au. This podcast is recorded on Anaiwan Country and has been brought to you by the University of New England. To find out more about the Boiler House Discovery Space, visit uneboilerhouse.org.au. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here next time on Curiosity Built the Boiler House. Mm-hmm.